Elise DeLucci Show. I'm Elise. We're in my living room on the Upper East Side. How are you doing? Oh, my goodness. I didn't post an episode last week. I apologize. I was so busy with um, shows and whatnot. I performed at a funeral home. You know, that's winning. That we'll, we'll get into it. Anyway, fact of the day. A few animal facts for you. I'll tell you where they're coming from. Well, why don't I just tell you that I took my kids to the Bronx Zoo last week and we had a fabulous time. But but I got in the rabbit hole of all the an, animal the animal kingdom because they you know they 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 make me crazy. These kids they we walk, mummy. Why oh why are the um, flamingos pink? It's like well because they eat a lot of shrimp. So if I eat a lot of shrimp, mummy, why I turn pink? It's like I I I don't have the answers to all of these questions. Dolls, but mommy will try. So there I am, turning Google inside out as we all do at three in the morning, and I'm coming up with all kinds of animal facts. Like in the UK, the Queen legally owns all of the unmarked swans. Okay, she owns this. This this broad's owning everything. Okay, she's got all the jewels locked up in a tower somewhere. She owns all the unmarked swans, and uh, on the uh, on the government note. Uh, do you know what a group of owls is called? A group of owls is called a parliament. A parliament. A parliament. They're, they're, they're so cute because that all came about because the girls are like, Mommy, well, the flamingos, there's more than one Flami- flamingos. And I said, no, it's actually called a flamboyant. So, of course, then, you know, then we're there. And I had to explain that sometimes animals have n- different names for, for multiples. Multiples, you know, um, the school of fish, and of course, owls, a parliament. Like, of course, like as if I knew that. I knew nothing of the sort. The only thing I know about an owl is that the the Tootsie Roll Pop commercial from the 80s and, and, and the fact that I think that they're scary. Okay. <laughs> we have a we have a white a white owl flying around in Central Park. Uh, you know, and, and my kids are obsessed with it when they see pictures of this white owl perched up on the trees high. It's like some rare owl. They love it. But, um, yeah, so that's where we are. Um, they want to know why an owl is wise. Uh, I had to explain to them that it was it's wise because in 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 Greek mythology there was the goddess of wisdom, a, a, a Athena, and she had uh, you know a wise owl near her. Like I, you know, when you're a parent, okay, when you're a parent, nobody tells you you're gonna have to come up with all of these answers for everything. I'm so tired. I'm tired. People say to me, Elise, how do you do this? You know, oh, you work in the stand-up. I say. That, that, that is actually, that's nothing. That's nothing. All the writing, the performing, the, the performing at work, all of this. This is nothing compared to the answers that I have to give these kids. Ay, ay, ay. But, um, but we did go to the Bronx Zoo, and it was so nice. I haven't been to the Bronx Zoo for 20 years. 20 years. We, we, we have a membership there. And uh, it was a nice thing to do, to be honest. We there's actually a bus from the Upper East Side of Manhattan. You could just take straight to the zoo. But I drove, I drove because the parking was included in the membership. You know, you, it's like everything else. I've talked about these memberships, museums. You go twice and you, and you get your money's worth. And living in the city, I mean, I don't I don't have tons of things for us to do in the house. You know, of course we do baking and beading and and and, and painting and all the, the art sort of things and dress up. But when it comes to going out. It's like Central Park, mosey around on the streets, or go to one of these places where you uh, have to, you know, these, these ticket, ticketed places. So the, the zoo is fabulous. 
way better than the Central Park Zoo. Central Park Zoo, it's like amateur hour. It's nice that there's a zoo in Central Park, but going to the Bronx Zoo and seeing a rhinoceros, it's a, it's a little crazy. You know, and of course, I mean, you know, if you've been to any zoo, it's it's the same thing. But you know, you walk, you you know, you there you are walking down the zoo, and all of a sudden, you know, you see a group of people all flocked onto the left side, and you go over to them, and they're looking at a rhino, and then you keep walking, and then all of a sudden, you're seeing a zebra, and then next thing you know, you're with the gorillas, and you just can't believe that you're in the Bronx. <laughs> it's just the wildest thing ever. You know what else is wild? You're gonna die. You're really gonna die. Well. I should say, let me lead in with you're going to die with. I had a, a, a show at the funeral parlor last week. I, I posted about it, you know, back in the winter. Um, I did a video. I, I was in the house with my boyfriend in, in the dead of winter, and we were all on lockdown. The kids were with their father, and my boyfriend tells me, so annoying, he tells me he's on a diet. Why is he on a diet? I can't. But this is because everybody was completely immobile. Everybody was get, get, gaining their COVID-19. So he tells me he's on a diet hilarious. And I had to escape the house to go get a snack as I do best, a covert food mission. Next thing I know, I'm on Madison Avenue and I hear this beautiful music and orchestra and this whole spread of snacks, hot cocoa, little sandwiches catered from Butterfield Market over here on the Upper East Side. And it was the funeral parlor that had their community event. Next thing I know, I'm doing a show there. So I had the show. I know I told you this already, but I had the show and it was so great. It was 120 people, a sold out show. It was free, but totally free. And um, it's just this thing that they do the the funeral parlor. You know, it's this very fancy place that all 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 who the who's who of the world gets waked there because they have extremely high security, a lot of um, you know covert, not to use the word twice, uh, procedures to keep privacy safe and all that kind of thing. And this funeral parlor, it's a 17,000 square foot. You know, it's like a big big townhouse sort of structure and um and it's 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 legendary I mean Greta Garbo was wake there that says something no so uh I did the show there and it was funny because when um you know I arrived at the show you know my I I dressed a little bit I tried to dress a little bit dressier than I normally uh do for my sets and um when I got there the owner was very nice and he welcomed me in the whole bit and he wants to show me. Uh, he wants to show me around. So he's showing me the spread of food. They had again catering, sandwiches, pasta salads, sodas, sparkling waters, Perrier and Pellegrino. I'll have you know, a, really a crazy class act. Um, they had everything set up, and and he wanted to take me into the air quotes showroom um, for uh, to to do a mic check and a lighting check. So I said, okay, and and we he opens, he swings open the doors, right? He swings open the doors to the showroom. And I and I literally I <gasps> I gasped. And I was like, I said to him, Oh, this really is a funeral parlor. And he was just like, Yeah, what did you think? And I'm like, no, I know it is. Like I've been here before, but I wasn't expecting pews. That's the thing. When I envisioned the show, I envisioned for whatever reason it being in a large room with some sort of seating, like folding chairs, rows of chairs. I wasn't expecting a pew. And then where we were actually performing, if you saw in any of the pictures, it was uh, where they laid the, the casket. So it was like a little eerie. And I was definitely taken aback. But once the people came in, it wound up going really smoothly, um, and, uh, and, and you kind of forgot the fact that you are 
performing um, in a spot where, you know, all these dead people have were laid out. Joan Rivers, Jackie O, Michael Jackson. A little weird, a little, little weird. <laughs> but they had a green room for us, and it was beautiful. It was really beautiful. After the show, um, the business, they had us upstairs for a little meet and greet, um, a champagne meet and greet. And, you know, it's funny who comes to a community event. There was media there, and and, and there was some um, dignitaries, councilmen, um, from New York State Councilman, but there was also uh, the priest. The priest from my church was there, which I wasn't even expecting. Saint Ignatius, Saint Ignatius, excuse me, of Loyola. Uh, he was there. The bishop from the Greek church on the Upper East Side in the seventies. It was really, it was, it was really just so, so nice. Um, and uh, the funeral party, they're doing some renovations. And they were like, maybe we could do a part two. I'm like, sure, sure. As long as it's a live audience, I'm in. I am totally in. So it, it was great. It, it was great. We had to close the doors because everybody was dying to come. <laughs> My mother was like, a funeral, Paula? Really? This is, is this, this what's going on with this this little thing called stand-up you're doing? I mean, I said, Mom, well, you know, listen. Is it a job as a job or is it an honor? You know, I don't know. The fact, though, that something came out of a social media post, something that really materialized uh, into a a, a, a beautiful uh, event, a, a paying job, it was it was really like something wonderful. I was I was really happy with it. Anywho, I read the craziest thing the other day for all of my girl listeners, okay, female listeners. Well, actually, this is a stat for all of you people. I just couldn't believe it. So, um, you know, full-time, I'm in digital uh, digital and tech at a financial company, right? And um, and that's what I've been, that, that's sort of the, the where in, the, in business I've been um, for the last decade. I, I have a relatively new-ish job, but uh, I, I've been in finance. And so... Uh, you know, and I, I read things here and there, and I came across this article. I don't know how I missed it when when Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away, but do you know that? Do you know the year, the the year when women were finally able to apply for credit? Yeah, it's like okay. So let me let me let me back up. Okay, so in the nineteen twenties, us girls, we all were able. We 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 earned the right to vote. Oh, thank you. Oh, my doorbell. Who's ringing my doorbell at this time? Gotta go. Hold on one second. I'm back. It was the pharmacy delivering. You know, I'm not going to sit here and complain that I have prescriptions delivered right to my front door. But, you know, when, like, you're on a call or recording something, who wants to hear the doorbell? It just goes to show you that this is a very real production here at Elise DeLucci House. Uh, anywho, so in the 1920s, us girls, we, we earned the right to vote. Oh, thank you. Did I say that already? But... But it was shocking to me to find out that we were able to vote, us women, but we weren't able to do other things like, I don't know, get a mortgage. How about get a credit card? So here's, here it is. Women could not apply for a credit card, a mortgage, a home loan, nothing at a bank until 1974. Can you believe that? Can you believe? My mind, when I, I read this a week ago, and my mind is still blown. There was the uh, Equal Credit Opportunity Act of 1974. It was signed into law. This Equal Credit Opportunity Act was signed into law in 1974. And prior to that, prior to the back, you, wait, brace yourself. 
a bank could refuse to issue a credit card to an unmarried woman or a single woman. So, you know, maybe you had a boyfriend. Maybe you have a fiance. Maybe you're just, uh, maybe you just, you're just a spinster. You're not getting a credit card or a mortgage. You know how, you know how you're getting it? Only if you're married and your husband offered or agreed to co-sign the application. Can you believe that? What fucking nerve? I've never heard of anything so ridiculous in my life. I mean, and you know, I don't go around saying, oh, I'm a feminist, I'm this and that, because I'm not really into labels and stuff. But, you know, when everything's laid out on the table, when things are on paper, I am. And uh, the fact that uh, right now I'm a unmarried woman, and if I wanted to, and if it was, say, 1970, and I wanted to uh, go to the bank to get a credit card uh, because I wanted to buy a couple new outfits for Studio 54, I would not be able to, okay, because I don't have a husband. Yeah, so... The Supreme Court, um, the Supreme Court cases obviously was the thing that got this in. And Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, part of her legacy um, was that uh, you know if it wasn't for her, if she didn't fight for this, us girls, who knows when we would have been able to get a credit card? Is that not the most insane thing you've ever heard? I, I I couldn't even believe it. I really, I could not. I absolutely couldn't believe it. But. We've come a long way, ladies. We've come a long way, 50 years. Um, just not that long ago. Just not that long ago. My grandmother's such an independent woman. You know, she, uh, my grandfather, um, her husband, he, he passed away when she was in her mid-50s, which is just so sad. Uh, and they were married for like 35 years. But she's so independent. After he died, she traveled uh, she traveled all over the world. Um, she's she she just learned to live life on her own. She never wanted to get remarried. It was just not her thing. And the fact uh, that if my grandmother wanted to get a credit card, um, you know, she wasn't able to or a mortgage, buy a second home or something that that wouldn't have been allowed is just absolute insanity to me. Anywho, Gloria Vanderbilt, you know her, fashion designer. Mm. No, Gloria Vanderbilt jeans. Actress, artist, yada yada. Anderson Cooper's mother. Anderson Cooper's mother. Well, her um, her apartment is on the market in Manhattan. It's uh, on Beekman Place, and it's listed for one point one million dollars. Which here's the thing. That's a big. That's a big chunk of dough. It is. It's a big chunk of dough. But for Manhattan, it's not. Now. Um, is it to me? Yes, there's a lot of money to me. But it's crazy to me. Uh, this is her apartment. Um, she's li- she lived there forever. She would she died there at the age of ninety five. It's it's on Beekman Place in Midtown East, and um and and that's the price of it. And it's it's for sale. You know, usually these uh, apartments where you know celebrities or artists, you know, whatever these these people. Um, I, I don't want to say she's somebody of history, but you know she is. I mean, where these people they live. Mm. Just based on um, just based on the fact uh, that the per- someone notable lived there um, usually drives up the cost. But one point one million dollars—that's uh, how much it is. You can look it up. It's gorgeous. It's decorated, beautiful. It's three bedrooms, two and a half baths. It's a one point one million. Um, and here's and they you know the listing said it needed updates. I just looked at the pics, but here's the thing. For three bedrooms and two and a half baths at one point one million, that's kind of a bargain. 
but I'm going to guess that the maintenance on the apartment is very high, the monthly maintenance. It's probably a co-op, and in co-ops, that's the uh, your tax and the building maintenance rolled into one cost if you own a condo in Manhattan, which you own the actual dirt. It's two separate costs, uh, but the, the co-op is maintenance and taxes rolled into one. I'm going to guess that the maintenance is high. I'm going to guess that it maybe needs some some updating. Um, but also, Beekman Place is so far east. You know, it's so, so far east. Uh, that drives the cost down a little bit. But, yeah, you know, three beds, two and a half baths, 1.1 mil, and Gloria Vanderbilt. And, you know, if, if that if that's what does it for you, that's kind of a little barguna, I have to say. There was a, I didn't see it, but I do want to watch it on HBO. Um Back five years ago or so, there was a, uh, they had a documentary called um, Nothing Left Unsaid. Uh, It was Gloria Vanderbilt and her son, Anderson Cooper. And uh, it was just conversations between uh, Gloria and Anderson talking about her family and her life in in the public eye. And, you know, they're, they, uh, I I can't remember, you know, they're, they're, so I actually worked for somebody um, that was part of the Burden family, which is it, it, Burdens and Vanderbilts. They're all, the, you know, all these 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 old money uh, families are all sort of, I don't want to say incestuous, but they're all they're all webbed together, woven together, and uh, they they do have a very interesting family history. You you should check it out if it interests you. If if <clears throat> sorry, if it interests you. Um, little bit of goss, Vanderbilt. She owned. She owed a lot of money in back taxes um and she actually she had other homes she had a home uh she had a home on the upper east side a, a different home on the upper east side she had a big house in uh, southampton but but she had to sell it because you know anywho anywho um nfts nfts uh i uh, so here's the thing i go back and forth and i i would i it's good to get your opinion on this you know for the listeners there, I, I'm a comic, obviously, and most of you know me as a, a comic doing my bits. Of course, like anybody else, we have all these different interests, and we've talked about it before, and you know I'm a cryptocurrency trader and investor and all that kind of stuff, um, but since 2017, so it's not like just a, a, a new thing. But sometimes people ask me serious questions, and then other times people say, oh, you should just stick to your funny stuff. But it's like, I'm sorry, I don't wake up making everybody laugh. Like, that's not usually how it goes, you know, for everybody. Um, but I, I do have a lot to talk about, like, NFTs and whatnot. And I don't know if I even should ever go down those roads. You know, I talked about having guests. And if you're interested, you know, again, let me know. But but NFTs, I'm I, they're, they're hot on my mind right now. Um because uh, non-fungible tokens, if you don't know what that stands for, NFTs, non-fungible tokens. So I, I, I will just talk about it for a minute because because some of you girls tell me, well, I'm single, Elise, and I listen to your podcast. And then sometimes if you say certain things, I, I or, you know, I li- like to listen to these things from you or other, and other people or in the papers, and I like to use them as sound bites on my dates. And, you know, that, of course, that just completely pulls at my heartstrings. But anyway, if you have a date with a guy and you want to, you know, you want to impress him, you should talk to him about NFTs. So, um, it's all, you cannot watch the news. You cannot read the newspaper without hearing about non-fungible tokens. So let me just tell you what they are if you, if you are curious. So 
I think to understand what an NFT is, you have to understand what um what what fungible is, what that means. So fungible um is like money. Money, a currency is fungible. So for example, if you have um twenty bucks, if you have twenty bucks and uh, you can interchange that twenty dollars for two tens or two fives and a ten or ten or sorry twenty singles, that interchange and it's still worth twenty dollars. You could have two tens or you could have one twenty, and it, it's all worth the same. That's fungibility. It's a uh, interchangeable. Non-fungible assets are considered uh, a piece of art or a house or a car. You can't uh, just say, well, I bought this um, th- this Toyota for $10,000 and whether it's, you know, uh, now or in 25 years, it's always going to be worth $10,000. It's it's non-fungible. It's not it's it, it's not like currency where that those those two 10s and a 20 both equal the same thing, right? So that's that's a non-fungible asset. So uh, NFTs, really what it is, is digital art. Mm. So art, because it's non-fungible, that is created on the blockchain, which is a digital ledger. Okay, so like how you have a ledger, if you uh, keep, you know, a written ledger, your books in your house, some sort of ledger of all the money or all the all transactions or anything that's going in and out of the house or whatever, this is a digital ledger. So it's just, it's and it's on something called the blockchain, the blockchain is digital ledger. So um, the uh, NFT is a piece of digital art that's created on the blockchain. So it has a long, long alphanumeric string Okay, that's attached to it. That's that's so what you see uh, visually, maybe on your screen, if you're looking at an NFT and say it's an NFT of Pop Tart Cat um, that sold for like I don't know three hundred thousand dollars or six hundred thousand dollars like six months ago or something. If you're seeing on your screen a picture of you know Pop Tart Cat, this pixelated cat with rainbows, just Google it. Google Pop Tart Cat NFT. Do yourself a favor. It's called like Nyan Cat N Y A N C A T. Anyway, if you uh, Google that, what you're seeing is the cat and the rainbow and the Pop-Tarts. And that's, that's the piece of art. Somebody created that piece of art. But behind it, behind it is a string of, when I say behind, I mean like, you know, in the, the, the back underworlds of the web is a long alphanumeric string that shows that, that's, that, 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 that it belongs to a certain digital creator and that's who owns it. Um, and that's how, you know... It, that's the signature, so to speak. So when an NFT, uh, so this NFT is the same as this digital signature. And if you want to buy an NFT, right, you're essentially buying this original piece of art. And then you're, you are, you could see where it's tracked along the way. Okay, are we following? So essentially, uh, NFT, it's a digital, it's, it's, it's just the same thing as a physical collector's item, like a piece of art, like a Mona Lisa, but it's digital. So instead of getting an actual oil painting of the Mona Lisa to hang on your wall, you, the buyer, you're getting the digital file, okay? So um, it's very interesting because up until uh, the creation of NFTs, you know, paintings, they could be forged, you know, signatures, they could be forged. Um, they, they could go burn in a fire and just never, never surface the planet again. An NF, but an NFT uh, is you get, the buyer gets that digital rights. Um, and an NFT can only have one owner at a time. So if you are going to, um, if you have an NFT of a Mona Lisa, or if you have an NFT of, I don't know, anything, anything, a picture of a water bottle, right? Whatever it is. Um, 
you can sell your your rights to that 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 picture, which is like a JPEG or or, or PNG, whatever GIF. You can sell that in an, an online marketplace, an NFT marketplace, you know, where people are buying and selling these digital, these digital collector items, right? And then uh, you set the price and then somebody else will, will buy it. And then they have those, the, the, they get the exclusive ownership rights, right? Does that make sense? Does that make sense? So it's a, uh, it's it's an interesting concept. If you want to check out NFTs, where um, where you can buy them, you can look on a website called Rarible, R A R I B L E, Rarible, or what I use is OpenSea, OpenSea.io, and um, you know you can just see these weird, 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 these weird, weird things that are selling and people are buying, and you know it's like a status item. Um, in some regards, like somebody might have that real Picasso hanging in their thing. Well, you might have one of the original CryptoPunks that came out in 2017, right? CryptoPunks is NFT. Now these things, they're sold for hundreds of thousands of dollars. And, uh, you know, it's like you might have um, a fancy car, G-Wig, and you might have a Rolex. Well, you know, or this other person might have this CryptoPunk NFT that's worth a lot of money. Are you really going to put the CryptoPunk NFT, this digital file, in a... In a um, in a picture frame and hang it on your wall. You might, you might, but are, but are you, but, but what is it really that you own? You, you own those digital rights to the asset, right? So that, that's, that's what it is. People might say, older generations might say, and I, and my generation is also included, by the way, in the older generations, those people might say, well, what's the point of having this? I don't understand. What the hell is the point? If I'm not going to display this anywhere, if I can't drive it anywhere, if I can't wear it anywhere, if I can't show it off at my dinner party, then I have this, you know, whatever NFT. What's the point of it? It's just like an asset. It's just like an asset. But to so let you know, if you want to buy an NFT, you first need to get a digital wallet that allows you to store your NFTs, right? Because you can't, they don't come delivered in the mail, the snail mail, you know, they, they, this alphanumeric string where your ownership rights sit, it, sit inside, it sits inside a wallet. And uh, to buy the NFT, I should say, if you wanted to also buy the NFT, you need to have uh, some form of cryptocurrency to do that. So you, it's Ether, Ethereum, um, ETH is the uh, is the ticker symbol or is the the, the symbol for for Ether. So it's very it's very complicated. Um, if you if you're not doing it at all, if you're if you don't have any crypto, if you don't have any digital wallets, if you don't really fully understand the NFT, but um, but if you do understand it, it, it becomes more easy. If you have the digital wallet and you have some Ether, then you could go on to OpenSea.io and you could check out the NFTs and you could buy. And not all NFTs, let me say this, not all NFTs are worth money, right? Like, so there's billions of them out there right now. But um, I have a few, uh, not the CryptoPunks one. I didn't get on that bandwagon. I should have. I should have because they are worth an absolute freaking fortune. But... Um, but I do have some, and uh, and I the second I buy them, I actually resell them. I re I flip them um, for a higher value. That's what that's what most people do. I could save them if I want, but I'm really just doing more of a, an experiment sort of thing as opposed to a, a long term hold. But um, it's very 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 interesting um, stuff. And if you think about it, um, <clears throat> what I like about it is, uh, I mean. I'm interested in it because I, I'm in tech and digital, but I, I am interested in it, uh, and, and also because it's very buzzy and I, I, I'm interested in topical things. But 
What I like about it is I like the idea of a digital signature. I like the idea of a digital stamp on ownership because who's to say what's real and what's not real except just the the owner. So if you have a Louis Vuitton bag, you know, oh, so what? So you bought, you might have the receipt from you bought it in the store. Well, that's all well and good. You might have like an authentic, a, 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 a certificate of authenticity. Fine, that's good. But other than that, who's to say it's real and not real? This, this, this validates, um, the authenticity of things. So, um, and like anything else, like anything else, it's NFTs are only worth what somebody else is willing to pay for it, right? So your Louis Vuitton bag probably costs $5 to make in the, the, the factory, right? But they're selling them for $1,000 and then you're willing to pay 1000 for it. So fine. And say it's a rare bag and then you sell it in five years. Well, maybe then it's worth 1500 That's the market. So, this, you know, it's market econo- economics here, but NFTs are risky because the future of them is uncertain. We don't have any history to judge performance. So it's not like the Louis Vuitton bag that you know might uh, be valuable or hold its value in time. We don't know what this is going to be. So if you if you want to look into it, I would recommend investing a small amount. If you want to hear more about this, um, you know, again, feel free to to ping me or whatever. If you're like Elise, look like I love you, but I really don't give a shit about that kind of stuff that you talk about. Then that works too, and I'm interested in hearing the feedback. But as I said before, I can't always bring people in to talk about this stuff. I sometimes feel, and let me just say this: I feel, well, this whole podcast is really just my life, you know, like a, a small slice of life of what's going on in my world, but um. But I feel that a lot of these things, when it comes to um, specifically like a lot of tech things, crypto, the different types of cryptos, how to buy it, what to hold, um, what's an NFT, all that. It, it, it's, there's things online that you could find that are in layman's terms, but sometimes it helps when you have like a friend explain it to you. You know what I'm saying? That's like, it, like, like I just did with the Louis Vuitton big. Sometimes that, 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 that can help. But anyway, um, happy happy to talk more, bring uh, an expert on. Uh, I am not an expert. I'm not a registered investment advisor whatsoever. I'm just telling you, uh, my giving you my personal opinions and my personal decisions. If you, if, if you have, um, you know, $30 that you spend on uh, cocktails one night or at a manicure, pedicure, whatever, maybe it's worth trying to buy uh, an NFT and exploring that world. So that's that. Um on the nail salon note, I want to just someone tell me that who are these girls running around with the, the long nails, five-inch long nails? How are you doing anything? How are you doing? I just got my nails done the other day, and I got the French, French, mat, you know, I, the V, I got a V French. You know, I, I, did, I did a little bit of throwback. Not the new V French where it's like the coffin-shaped nails, you know, where the, it's a very thin V. This is like a thicker V French. Um, I actually had it when I got married, you know, a long time ago. And anyway... When I was in the salon, the uh, the lady asked me if I wanted uh, tips. <laughs> tips. And she pulls out this board because I went to the nail place that actually does designs. And um, I said to her, how are people doing anything with these long nails? How? I want to know. What, how are you washing dishes, peeling an orange, changing your tampon? TMI, but really, how are you doing this with these giant nails? Can you imagine... You imagine changing your daughter's diaper, braiding your kid's hair with these claws, these claws. I literally don't. I'm convinced that Cardi B 
She has somebody doing everything for her. Zipping her dresses, buttoning the top button on her jeans. They're completely not practical. I like the look. I do. I like I like a look. I like a look, but not enough. I'm not enough to be a slave to fashion like that, I'll say. So I have my my V French manicure on my natural long nails, but they're not as long as, you know, they're not as long as what's what's going on in Hollywood right now. Um, a couple of, uh, a, cu- a couple more things. One thing is, um, there is a girl, shout out, and I, I'm, your name is escaping me right now, but shout out to, um, the woman that emailed me. She's, uh, she messaged me. She's 35 years old. And this is, and by the way, and this is why I do think sometimes it's nice to talk about, um, things, you know, more, more, uh, some, not serious, but you know, like things like the NFT sort of world. Because I've mentioned my job on this podcast before and here, that and that. And she says, oh, Elise, um, <clears throat> I'm 35 and I'm interested in a career change. And you had mentioned you're in tech and digital. And I'm thinking about doing UX, UI design, which is user experience and user interface design. Do you have anybody that I can uh, talk to or any tips for me? And I forget what she does uh, for her uh, nine to five, her current nine to five, her career that she's been doing for the last almost 20 years. But um. I, I did. I wrote her back and I gave her some suggestions for uh, programs that I know that people have taken and gotten a lot out of. And I also gave her a couple of names of um, people on LinkedIn that she could look into. And and, and I'll, I could, I'm happy to make an introduction for her. Uh, maybe, you know, one of these people that are very much in the UX, UI world want to, uh, you know, mentor somebody or give her even more, uh, more sort of, uh, bits on how she can get an internship or that kind of thing. So I, I, I really, I appreciated, I appreciate you for sending me that message. And uh, let me just tell you this, ladies and men, is that being an Italian, and I don't know how much I said this before, but being an Italian woman um, in the business world, uh, for me personally, hasn't, was not always that easy. Um, we, we, we are, we are stereotyped. Um, I have a look in my personal life. You know, look, I like my hair big. I like hot rollers. I love a hoop earring. I love a long nail, as I, and I love a good leopard print. But you, that, you know, that's not professional, so I, I can't do that in my nine-to-five world. But my Italian name and uh, the upbringing and, you know, maybe even the the, the big gestures and, and um, the bigness that comes along with being Italian that we sometimes inherit from our culture or is ingrained in us, isn't so well suited in in certain situations in in the business world. That's not to say that you can't rein it in. You do have to be a chameleon, right? Everywhere you go. But I will say to you that as an Italian woman, I've had uh, I've had my fair share, my definite fair share of struggles. Um, so anytime, so I'm a real big advocate, is what I'm trying to say about women in business, Italian women in business, um, other uh, other other eth- ethnicities and races in business. I I I think that um, I love. I love a good blonde-haired, blue-eyed, white man Adonis like the next woman. But you know what? There's a lot of that. And um, and let's make room for some of the girls. Some of the girls with, with that come from all, all over the world. Some of the girls that are maybe weren't, uh, that, that don't fit the mold of, of a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. Maybe some of the girls that grew up out in Staten Island. Okay? How about that? Because we could do just as good a job as those people and or better, right? So um, 
I'm, I'm really big in promoting uh, women and young girls and, uh, and, and particularly Italians because I'm Italian and I'm biased, uh, in, in the work world. So, um, I'm always happy to talk about that. And I, I do think it's so, um, important. So <clears throat> having said that my product of the week is not a physical product because we were talking about, um, NFTs. So, so here you go. Um, in OpenSea, in OpenSea.io, there is a creator called 24PX, 20, number 24PX, 24PX is the name of the creator. And he creates these NFTs called Pixel Cats, right? There's only about uh, 9,900 of them or 10,000 of them. And there's these pictures, these JPEGs that are very weird looking of uh, like kind of funny funky looking cats, right? Pixelated cats. And each, each cat in this collection, in this digital art collection by this 24PX has a different look and feel. Um, some kitties have heart sunglasses. Some have a mohawk. Some wearing a beret. Some kitties have a mask on them. I know this sounds crazy. So, um, that the, my product of the week is not really a product. It's more of a piece of art. And it's this 24PX is the digital artist. Pixel Cats is his creation. Um, I have a couple of these cats um, in my NFT collection, and you could look them up on OpenSea, and you could uh, look at what I'm talking about, um, and you're going to say, oh my God, Elise Stellucci is a nut job because she has bought pixelated pictures of green kitties on the internet. And it, yes, at the surface, it looks like that, but there are value, currently there's value to them. I don't know about long-term. So uh, I, I don't have a specific cat for you to look at, but if you go on OpenSea and you type in 24PX, you look up Pixel Cats. And of course, if you're on a date with a guy or a girl or whoever, and we just want to have some in interesting conversation with some tech people, you could talk about Pixel Cats and OpenSea and Rarible. Um, you could mention the Beeple NFT that sold uh, at Christie's, you know, a few months ago. And I could tell you that you'll, you definitely will um, impress people. So that's the product of the week. And my quote is by Les Brown, and it's too many of us are not living our dreams because we're living our fears. Les Brown, too many of us are not living our dreams because we're too busy living our fears. Don't live your fears, people. Live the life you want to live. That's the best thing that I could possibly say. Live the life you've always wanted. Fuck everybody else. Who needs them? Who cares? Do whatever you got to do. Oh, I love that. I, I, I was born for this kind of thing, okay? I was born for it. I'm Elise DeLucci. Thank you always for listening to my podcast, episode 75. I promise not to leave a, a go another week with skipping an episode, but I had to perform at a funeral for the live audience, you know? So anyway, follow me on Instagram at Elise DeLucci, on TikTok at Elise DeLucci. I am working on shows, as I uh, say. Uh, it's, it's a man's world, guys. What can I tell you? I'm working hard. Um, yeah, and give me, a, give me a comment on Apple Podcasts, and I I always, as always, really, really appreciate you listening, and I look forward to talking to you soon. Bye now.